Hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to a bonus episode of You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, The Beatles' Black Album. Micaiah? Yes. Explain for our listeners what we mean when we say The Beatles' Black Album couple clarifications here we are not discussing the danger mouse mix of the white album and the black album called the gray album right so that that might be kind of a confusing thing so we're not talking about that right uh we're actually talking about something way dorkier um so in richard linklater's boyhood uh there's a scene where ethan hawk gives the titular boy of the movie um, a mixed CD that his character has curated that is the Beatles Black Album that is a compilation of their solo stuff, their post-Beatles stuff, uh, as a gift to his son. Will you give me the, the, the little birthday present for Mason? Yeah, baby. All right, this one, this one needs a little explanation, okay? Open it up. I call that the Beatles Black Album. All right, what it is is best of John Paul, George, and Ringo solo post-breakup. Thanks. Yeah, basically I put the band back together for you. You know, when you ever listen to too much of the solo stuff, it kind of becomes a drag, you know? But you put them next to each other, right? And they start to elevate each other. And then you can hear it. It's the Beatles, you know? I don't know. I think I always just like Paul the best. It doesn't matter, you know you're missing the point. There is no favorite Beatle. That's what I'm saying, it's in the balance. That's what made them the greatest fucking rock bands in the world. And that's something that Ethan Hawke did in real life for his daughter, uh, Maya Hawke, um, when he and Uma Thurman got divorced. And so it's kind of been this kind of famous compilation. There's a lot of people were talking about it when the movie came out, so he actually like revealed what the compilation is. You can find it on Wikipedia. Um, and so I thought it would be very fun as a bonus episode because we had Will on for the Beach Boys, knowing full well that he's, you know, more of a Beatles guy. He has his own Beatles podcast, for crying out loud. Uh, that'd be fun to have him back to talk about the Beatles. But since we already did Revolver and Sgt. Pepper, um, you know, what was another way that we could talk about the Beatles? And that was for us to each create a Beatles Black album. So, uh, three of us um, using only post Beatles material from John, Paul, George, and Ringo created another Beatles album that we would like to hear. Basically Uh, we each took, you know, a a different approach. We really put no more rules than that. We just, we said limited 14 tracks and do what you want. And it was one of the most fun, like preparation periods I've ever had for an episode that we've done, Rob. I had such a good time listening to these albums. Yeah. And like we said earlier, you know, there's really no better person to, to do this with than Will Hines. Um, listeners, you'll remember, you've probably seen him on, oh, who knows? Well, you probably heard him on Comedy Bang Bang. Um, he's on there all the time. He just did some live episodes that, uh, that are available that are very, very funny. And you've probably seen him on Broad City or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, he's, he's all over the place. And uh, yeah, truly no better person to, you know, try to complete this task with. So I'm very excited to see 
what everyone's picked and uh, kind of get everyone's, you know, feedback. Let's, let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. I love it. We'll be right back with our guest, Will Hines. He is back with us again after he was with us to talk about the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Mm -hmm. And there is no one better for this bonus episode than Mr. Will Hines as we talk about the Beatles and we put together our Beatles Black Album, the (laughs) best collection of solo Beatles material. Yeah. Gentlemen, let's start here. We all started with the agreement that we would make a 14-track album comprised of solo Beatles material. What were your methodology? What were your requirements? What were your limitations? What rules did you place on yourself for the sake of putting this album together? Uh, I'll go first and you guys can go. You you guys were so thoughtful on the Pet Sounds album that I was properly shamed <laughs> at my at my clumsiness. So I'm going to try to go first so you guys can do better than me. And mine's pretty simple. I I you know, it I decided to try to do what would have been the next Beatles album just just for fun. I know that wasn't part of the restriction. And so I told myself I'm only going to use songs that conceivably could have been in play April 1970. And I think I only cheated with one of those. Um, so like, you know, something like Paul McCartney stuff that he did in the nineties and the aughts that's out even stuff that they all did later. I decided to leave out. Uh, I mean, they had so much good stuff that I kind of wanted to limit myself. And so I tried to think if the Beatles don't break up, what's their next album mm-hmm. based on their solo stuff. And that was mine. That And I, I enjoyed that restriction. Mm-hmm. Even though I had to leave off, a huge number of incredible songs, but I, that's how I did it. Right. I mean, that's the nature of you forgot one, mm-hmm. right? That's kinda, yeah. You know, having you gotta to leave something off. Yeah. Like, yeah, my, I, um, I was really scared, really intimidated <laughs> by the idea of doing this. Cause you know, when you think of like black albums, like, okay, well then we're going to do 30 tracks, but a podcast of the three of us each naming 30 songs, like, no one should listen to that. (laughs) You know, 14 tracks, it seems so hard to do. So I had to give myself kind of a gimmick or a structure to like kind of box myself in some way. Mm -hmm. And so you guys have both kind of already seen, you know, the way I try to do it, but none of you called me out what the actual structure is. So what I did was mimic revolver oh, so, I, so i open with george and then i do paul john then george again and then so the way revolver is structured right that's how i went and approached mine and i thought well if anyone's if anyone's gonna knock how many tr- tracks i have per beetle or the set list, i'll be like well it's revolver which a lot of people say is the best so you can't knock my structure so i i kind of built that in for me as kind of a, a fail safe and then that kind of dictated. So I knew I would start with George and end with John. So I knew, and I knew that my Ringo would be photograph kind of, yeah, you know, so that, so I had a beginning, a middle and end pretty much. 
And so I just kind of filled it in from there. And in terms of scope, mine was, I, I opened myself up from 1969 to 73 okay. because sonically I wanted it to sound like it could be on the same album. Yeah. So like there, cause there are other songs like uh, beautiful boy, even yeah. the stripped down version sonically doesn't belong with other tracks I knew I was going to put on there. Right. So they all need yeah, it would really, it would really stand out if you see yeah. that on here. Yeah. So it had to be like a cohesive album and the 70 to 73 scope, I think really like helped. Uh, I think to- that's a really interesting restriction, but you're, I got, I have some questions for you on your track listing in a fun way. So <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to, to ask I'm you, excited. Yeah. but I think that's a great way to do it. Revolver. Yeah. You can't argue with revolver and, um, I didn't notice that until you pointed out, but that's a cool way to do it. I like that. I feel immediately intimidated because you both were far more thoughtful in, <laughs> in, in your methodologies. <laughs> I, I just, I went through and I started, I started narrowing down to 40 and then I took the 40 and narrowed it down to 21. And then once I had the 21, I went, okay, what makes the best sequence? So what, what sounds the best, what, what, if, if you're thinking about it as a whole album, what sonically makes the most sense together? And the only rule I gave myself within that was that within the sequencing, no Beatle could go two songs in a row. So okay. you, you couldn't have back-to-back John songs or back-to-back Paul songs or um, back-to-back Ringo songs wouldn't be a problem. But um, that, that was my, my only process. And, and really, once I went with that, what I did find was that even though I, I have a soft spot in my heart for McCartney 2, I really ended up naturally staying sonically in this very mid to early 70s place just because it it's this still this overlap where there's all four of them have enough of this kind of Beatles DNA yeah. I mean, coming in into the solo music, but each of them are, are branching out that personality just a little bit further. And so we're getting some of that stuff that we don't quite have as it, you know, suddenly John's a little sillier than he is on some of the Beatles songs. Paul is suddenly a little more, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of serious and suddenly George is writing these huge pop hits. And so you're kind of going through that and going, all right, they all kind of end up sounding in this early seventies place. And so that, that decision sonically made a lot of other decisions for me. It's already interesting to see what songs made it on all three of us. And I'm really interested to see that the kind of like album tracks that made it, the ones that are like, not the singles, you know, if, if somebody puts imagine on a greatest solo thing, it's a great choice. It's not a surprise, but if somebody takes a, something from wildlife, which, uh, which I see a wildlife track. I, I, I'm not against it, but it's a surprise in a way that it's interesting. It's personal, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So let's, let's go ahead. And I think this was a hard, de- this, I know this was a hard decision for me and talking to Micaiah. I know this was a difficult decision for him. So I can only assume the same was true for you. Will. yes. How did you pick your opening track and what is it? What What is the track that opens your album? And why was that the pick? Okay, my opening track is God, which is on the Plastic Ono Band album, John Lennon's song, Solo. And um, I, 
like I say, I restricted myself to what songs I thought could sort of conceivably be in play April 1970. Uh, and I don't totally know for sure. I was stretching it a little bit here, but I, I tried to live by that. And so this actually is the track where I think I'm cheating. I don't know if John wrote this until I think, I think this album didn't come out until December of this year. So he, and I believe he's a lazy procrastinator. So he probably didn't write it until November or something like that. But let's just say that he was tinkling around with something like this. And I picked it because once I had chosen my songs, there was a pretty clear to me theme of like spiritual crisis and redemption, like songs that are either like everything's going wrong or everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. So I sequenced it from crisis to redemption. That was my sequencing. And I kind of thought they might be ready for something like that at that time. So my album is trying very loosely to tell a story of like a breakdown and then recovery. And God to me is the biggest breakdown of them. Like, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. It's the loss of faith in everything. I even imagine in this uh, hypothetical world that he leaves in the line, I don't believe in Beatles, right? That's a line in the song. He wrote this after the breakup of the Beatles and I don't believe in Zimmerman. I don't believe in Buddha. And then there's, I don't believe in Beatles. And uh, I think he would have left it in. It's a real rock and roll move to have as your first track. Mm-hmm. But in a world where they don't break up, I think they would have, it would want, it'd be one of these things where they almost break up and get back together. So they would be, they'd be sympathetic. They would all agree with that line. They'd be like, you know, we all had moments recently where we didn't believe in this band. Mm. So I think they would open with it. And I think it's like, it's the third track, I think third or fourth track on plastic Ono band. But as an opener, man, what an incredible announcement that the Beatles are not done, that they start with this crazy cynical tune, you know, not a pop single. So, so full of pain. So that's, that's, that's how I, when I, when I, when I saw what I picked, I'm like, this is where it begins. The story begins with a breakdown. Just believe in me. 
um, my first track um, is an opening track already. Um, I'd Have You Anytime by George Harrison from All Things Must Pass. Yeah. Um, and I, knowing that I'd be opening with a George song because I'm mimicking Revolver, I tried a bunch of things here. And as I was trying, and as, and as I was filling out the track list, this ended up being one that made the most sense, even though it's not a big song from this record, but it really works for me as like a prologue to this record that I'm creating. And, and, um, similar to, to Will, I, I started seeing themes in mine where for better or worse, the Beatles seem to be in conversation with each other. Mm, for sure. And yeah. George ended up being some sort of mediator in mine. And so the first one is kind of him, you know, gently guiding the, the listener into the album, you know, let me in, you know, and, and he, he even says, let me roll it. And so and I like when the Beatles are self-referential and it's like, oh, that's interesting because that becomes a, you know, wing song by 73. Yeah. So let me just take note of that as I'm going through this and I'm trying to put them all in conversation with each other. And so all things must pass just seem like a really good, if not an opening track, at least a prologue to this. And it would set up a historic Beatles moment in that it's co-written by Dylan. So you get this kind of like what would have been like a really unique kind of like co-writing credit for a Beatles record. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's kind of my, there's nothing much more to it except for, I think that George and, and, you know, in looking at a revolver, I like it better than tax man. You know, that's just me. I, I, I still blame tax man for like, um, the tea party. <laughs> uh, the sentiment of tax man is no fun, but the, the group, the baseline and the guitar solo are pretty fantastic yeah, musically. Agreed. Um, I like this pick cause it's a, it's a surprise to me. It's not traditional, mm-hmm. uh, but that makes it personal. And I do think they would do something like that. I don't think they're, they're beyond the point in their careers where it's, it's very of the Beatles to not follow the rules Mm-hmm. And worry about leading off with a hit. So, and George, I think, was kind of the most spiritual. He was the most likely to write a song about like questioning things. You know, Paul would write about a sheepdog, John would write about his own personal pain, but George writes about global things. Um, his songs can most easily be like a zeitgeisty kind of tune. So, it's he's a good table setter for sure. Right. Let me in here I know I've been here Let me into your heart Let me know you Let me show you opener was interesting because I knew 
as soon as I had pared my list down, I think to 40, I knew then what my closer was going to be. I knew what the end of the album was going to be, which we'll get to later. Yeah. But knowing where my album was ultimately going also meant that I, I wanted to have some big energy at the front of the album. And, and especially as we'll talk about in a few minutes, where the rest of my kind of a side tracks go, I, I wanted something that could kind of set the stage for more energy to follow. So I also went with a, a personal pick in that I deeply, deeply love McCartney too as an album. And I went with nobody knows hmm. as my opener. Wow. Now, what is it about McCartney too that you connect with so much? Cause that to me is more like a curiosity album where I admire him for doing it, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay with me. doesn't stay with me as much as other stuff that he's done. As I, as I grew up and people, you listen to people kind of hate on McCartney too, uh, of, of the solo albums. And for me, it almost became that, uh, you know, the underdog story of like, no, no, this is a, a really fun album. And so I don't know if it is, or I don't know if it's just because for me, it feels so much like childhood because that's what I associate all those songs with. But I, I, I love the energy of that album. And there's obviously there's, there's at least three songs on it that have aged very poorly. Um, but the rest of that album, I, I feel like still holds up very well. From my perspective, a very curious album opener. It's kind of hard to, knowing that album, take that song and put it at the top of something. Mm -hmm. you know, which is which is a problem I have with anything from Plastic Ono Band. Where I was like, all of this works together as a whole. It's very hard to start picking these apart and put them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel. I like the song. I don't know how I feel about it as an opener. Because I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very, like McCartney 2, is, is a very curious opener and kind of a curious pick. Uh, and I respect that. Um, it, that you, it, you know, you went for something very, very out there. It's it, gotta, it, it, it's it will be a feeling. theme for the first side of my album. <laughs> it's yeah. got the feeling of like a little inhale. And then I think your second track is more of a classic opener, opener. Um, but a lot of albums are like that where track one is kind of like a little, Hey, just take a breath here. Everyone gets settled, mm -hmm. get seated. We're going to get, we're going to get going here. And then track two is like a more epic tune. Yeah. It's just something to get you in the door, mm -hmm. get you settled, a little overture. Let's hear the rest of our side A's. 
uh, Will, I'd love for you to start. What are your okay. tracks two through seven? All right, two through seven. So after God, after, you know, a little lightning quick, happy little, you know, radio friendly God, uh, only kidding, kidding in all ways. I go to what is life from George Harrison. I wanted like a happy sort of pop catchy thing to lift us up after God. Then another day, uh, Paul's melodic uh, hit from the Ram sessions, which I also just think is this lovely melancholy song. Then into every night, and I, I cheated here. So this is the McCartney track, but I'm imagining in my fictional world where the Beatles do it, Ringo gets to sing it. Mm. Now, Photograph was the one I was going to pick from the Ringo solo tracks, yeah. but it was a little too far ahead and I couldn't justify it being around in April 1970. But that would have been my pick here. No, but I think but, Ringo's voice is well suited for that track. I think that's a very... Yeah, I think Paul would be like, would give it to him and be like, you're going to crush it. And then with John and Paul and George doing harmonies in the background, it would Mm. be this sweet little happy song, you know, and they frequently wrote songs for Ringo. And Mm -hmm. so I think that would be the Ringo song. Then I go into cold Turkey. I feel like cold Turkey is the John Lennon solo song where Clapton does the uh, solo about his heroin withdrawal. Um, You know, I think it's kind of weirdly overlooked. I mean, there's no such thing as a Beatles song that's truly overlooked, but relative to other Beatles songs, I don't hear Cold Turkey come around. And I love Cold Turkey just as a rock and roll. It means like come together, just like a simple little, Mm -hmm. just tear it up. Um, And then I go into Wawa, the George Harrison number from All Things Must Pass, which is uh, a great guitar blues song. And then Backseat of My Car, kind of a soothing Beach Boys-esque ending to kind of bring end us in happiness. Now, overall for the album, I'm thinking side one is starting in crisis and moving out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like God, what is life? And another day to me are like sadness, different forms of melancholy and being lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what is life is a very happy sounding song, but the words literally are like, what is life? What is this? What is going on? Another day is because it's Paul, there's hope in his voice and optimism but it's the portrayal of a Eleanor Rigby-esque lonely person. Yeah, it's a yeah. sad portrait and we, we don't know what's going to happen to her. Um, so, and then we move into every night from Ringo cold Turkey, which is like detoxing. Like you're forcing yourself to, to, to move away from what's hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no spiritual justification for Wawa other than I think it rips and I think it just right. emotionally sounds like coming to life. And then, Backseat of my car is like the breath when you're about to recover. And then my side two will be all recovery. So that, that's kind of how I did it. You know, you got John Paul and George in there and it very slightly moves from crisis to moving out of crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all those tracks individually. I just think they're all beautiful. Um, and I think sitting next to each other, they all get deeper. You know, another day goes from being, I mean, in my opinion, it goes from being a completely lovely track, but forgettable. And I think next to what is life and God and cold Turkey, it sounds like a deeper sort of examination of loneliness. Mm -hmm. I think it gets elevated by being next to these other tunes. So that's kind of, that was, that's my side one. in the pocket of her raincoat. 
cold turkey as a choice and and i'm with you i i I think this is one of the really underrated john lennon songs but i also love following it up with wawa and in i kind of like the idea because taking this theme that you're going off of it does it does feel like wawa ends up being the soundtrack to the movie of what's happening in cold turkey yeah like so, so it kind of, even if it doesn't thematically function together, it, it feels sonically appropriate next to one another. Um, there also was a little like just laying, looking at the listings. Wawa looks like it also could be like cry, making crybaby sounds like wah, wah. Like almost mm-hmm. if you're talking about them being in conversation with each other, it's like get, get over yourself, quit your whining. Yeah. Let's get better now, which is something I could imagine George saying to somebody. I mean, I think George could be very compassionate, but I also think he could be very dismissive. I think he really probably literally does in some point the, the Get Back documentary. Yeah. Uh, so. I like all this. I mean, especially backseat of my car. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, the side two closer of Ram. So reimagining as the side one closer with this kind of narrative you constructed, I think is appropriate and um, works very well, especially with the other Paul track being Another Day having those sonically pretty similar, but, but very different in terms of like the, how like grandiose backseat like becomes, even though it's still like categorizes like what is like lo-fi era. It's him really going for the Brian Wilson thing. Um, Doing a great job of it too. Like it, it. Oh yeah. All over that. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dig all those picks. I, I have a question for you though. Um, how do you feel about the live version of cold Turkey on uh, sometime in New York? Yeah. Um, I, I love it. I mean, we have so little live solo John Lennon stuff that it's all precious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he is incredible and you can hear it in his voice. He can't help but give an emotionally authentic performance. Track two through seven on your mix. Let's hear it. Okay. So for me, the album like kind of really begins on side two kind of, cause you know, I think of my track one as like a prologue, but again, I should probably say that, like my two favorite Beatles records are Sgt. Pepper and the white album. And I think that informs how I put this together also. 
Mm -hmm. um, kind of with having like uh, a prologue and an epilogue and stuff. So anyway, but uh, Big Barn Bed is my track too. Um, And I just, I just see Paul knowing that my side one was going to be very rock and roll because I knew I would have a lot of all things must pass and just John in this time, I knew it was going to be pretty heavy rock and roll. And the way that the conversation in my head is going between them is Paul being like, well, I can be rock and roll too. (laughs) So, that fades out i think works well with uh instant karma we all shine on um another kind of kind of a bouncy number um but for me it feels like john being like well i can have fun too but i can also say something um again better for better or worse i think the the Beatles are in conversation uh in here and then my my fourth track would be george coming in with wawa uh, just because, and I, and looking at the times, the length of each song, realistically, like my album is about an hour long. So you could cram seven tracks on each side, but you really be cramming them. Um, so I broke mine apart as a double album, a 14 track double album, which Blonde on Blonde is. So I was okay doing that. So I kind of thought of side one being. Uh, I'd have you anytime, big barn bed, instant karma, wah, wah, just like party, just like all rise, just like we're here to have, like, we're the Beatles, we're here to rock and roll, have fun, say a little something and and jam. And then so the side two would be the last seven tracks, which would be the the calm down a little bit uh, with Let Me Roll It, which again, kind of gets referenced in the track one. Mm -hmm. And um, I almost didn't pick it because of it being a licorice pizza. Um, I feel like it was more of a deep cut maybe before the movie came out. Yeah. Um, but it's so undeniably good. I just, for what I was like doing with my compilation, I was just like, mm, it stays in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just so good. Um, and again, it's that Paul being like, I like George doing Wawa and then Paul being like, I can rock and roll too, except I don't have to be that big. I can bring it down and still be rock and roll. You know, like, yeah, you know, uh, that's the, the competitiveness of the Beatles that I see that's still very like playful, mm-hmm. but maybe falling apart at the seams a little bit. Um, 
and then photograph because I knew there would be a Ringo on here. So this would be yellow, where yellow submarine would be on revolver. So here's Ringo. Um, just a groovy song, which the only other version of photograph that I like just as much is uh, the Adam Sandler version from Funny People, which is honestly <laughs> very good. I, I, I love Sandler singing that song. It works really well. This is one where people probably challenge me on uh, side two closer or side one closer if you really want to cram it. Angela. Yeah, this was the surprise pick when I first mm. looked at your list. Angela by, by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And there's a lot of Yoko on that track. Mm-hmm. And people have shit on Yoko for decades um, either for being uh, by way of racism or sexism or just because she allegedly broke up the Beatles or ruined John or what, like whatever people say about her, which is uh, really awful and unjustified and unfair. And of all the things that like John and Yoko did like together on a track, I think this is the best. And I wanted to represent something where John and Yoko really do something really incredible together uh, on a song. And I think this song does it very well. Um, and it's also John being very overtly political. That whole album is maybe his most overtly political yeah. uh, woman. I agree. N-word of the world, the, the John Sinclair, uh, the song about Ireland. You know, like there's, there's a lot, it's a very heavy, you know, first disc. And yeah, I, I just, I think it's great. And the the chorus of that is so big and enormous and i was going back and forth on it because i was like am i really gonna make that move and i was listening to it and this and i mean the song genuinely like brought me to tears and i was just like you're in the kid stays <laughs> in the picture like <laughs> it, it, it really moved me so much um yeah because i think john's great on it yoko's great and um my next track is Paul and Linda. So I was like, well, then why not have John and Yoko? You know, like, let's let these things coexist on this, like, Beatles record that I'm putting together where the guys get their spouses, like, kind of maybe away from each other, like the kind of brotherhood that they formed and have their spouses. So, like, I don't know, that, 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 it, it made sense it, it, in my mind. I, I get what you're saying about the, like, kind of partnered idea that, like, Paul and John have this this is such as deeply intimate partnership for so many years. And so this idea of like representing like that Paul has Linda and John has Yoko as, as this kind of like 
they both still need a partner in, in some ways. I, I, I get, I get what you're saying in that. I do find that it's an interesting choice for sure. I, I think I enjoy her more as the inspiration for John's writing than actually hearing her on John's songs. And, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all the things you're saying about the, the unwarranted and undeserving hate that, that she got for decades. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think him singing about her is there's a, there's a sweetness there that, it weirdly enough, when they're doing a song together, the sweetness doesn't come across quite as well as when John is singing about her, not without her being on the track. Well, I would hope there wasn't that sweetness there on a song like Angela. That's mm-hmm. not about the relationship yeah. uh, at all. Well, but I'm, I'm about Angela even, Davis, you mm-hmm. know, and, and her being, you know, you know, imprisoned, you know, and John at this point is, very much thinking of himself as a New Yorker and he's the CIA is keeping tabs on him and the FBI and, um, you know, and he's, you know, talking with Bobby Seale and he's in with the Panthers and he's bringing them on like Dick Cavett or whoever, you know, and this really, I wanted something to bring out that side of John mm-hmm. um, in a way that's not actually very beautiful yeah. and, and very enlightened at the same time, but it, in a way that's not very like didactic either. Like you need to believe in this, so, like you're for us or against us. It's just some, it's just like a beautiful mm-hmm. song about Angela Davis. And I think he and Yoko perform it just fantastic. And it, it's, it's, it's something that like sonically could be on the white album, like sonically, like if you put this on a mix with like um, happiness is a warm gun, or mm-hmm. something, you'd be like, oh, okay, these actually kind of belong together. You can actually, yeah, I, I, I see how this could be paired with other Beatles songs um, more than thing, other like tracks on that record. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, Angela, my side one closer or side two closer, however you want to spin it. I like that. I do think it would sound good just play end to end. Like the songs do feed into each other well they sort of fit each other sonically. So it, it would make for a good like album listening party. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that a lot. And uh, Angela, you know, that wouldn't be my pick and I would kind of avoid the sometime in New York city album totally. <laughs> but if you are making something that's supposed to represent the different sides of the solo Beatles, mm-hmm. then a sort of, I went too far experiment and I made my spouse be a part of it. Or she, or she made me. Right. And we got a little deeper than we were really ready to back up. That is the Beatles. They've all done it. Mm -hmm. You know, they've all like tried to make big grand statements because of their station. And they're often not intellectually up to the task. Not that they're not smart people. Mm -hmm. I just think like they try to solve in an afternoon, a problem of society. And it's like, you know what? It's better when you just tell us to love each other and, will impose society onto your songs, but I don't, I don't begrudge them trying. So like as a, as an artifact of reporting of what solo Beatles stuff is like, it's, it's really nice that this one's included. And if the Beatles can put revolution nine on the white album, no track is off limits of anybody's compilation of anything. Right. No, that's a very fair point.
so coming off of my opener, nobody knows. I, I wanted that high energy kind of rocking song because I'm going from there to my track number two is John Lennon's Whatever Gets You Through the Night, which I love. I actually love Walls and Bridges as an album, but I really love getting this side of John Lennon that I, I feel like we don't really get a picture of with him in the Beatles. Like it, this really feels almost like a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. More, more than it does a, a Beatles song. And I love that. I love that like shift away from the music that he's been doing for the last 10 years. Um, but I, I do like it's, he f- somehow feels completely at home in it. And, and it's also that thing of realizing across that whole album, how much of, you know, both for John and for Paul, as we're going to talk about later on, like they are music lovers. These are, these are people who grew up loving music. You don't end up in a band like this without being someone who, who is, doesn't start off as a fan of music. And so I feel like so much of walls and bridges is hearing John Lennon, the music fan coming through. And so I, that, one of the things I really appreciate. And so I love this picture that we get of John Lennon on whatever gets you through the night. My third track, what is life? I, I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me if all three of us have it. Um, but I know Will has it as his, his track too. What is life? Beautiful picture. Um, I, I just love this song in preparation for this episode. I think I made the decision today, texting back and forth with Micaiah that all things must pass might be the best post Beatles Beatle album. I mean, it, it, it is really a feat of an album. Like it's, it's just, Uh, I've heard that from many people. I I think that's, that's a common take. Um, but yeah, so uh, what is life? Great song following that up with some people never know. And, um, I'm going to let you all know that this is my only wing song to make my, to make my album is some people never know from wildlife. And again, I, I, I just think this is a really sweet song and, and I love, I love the, the, cynical side of John Lennon. And I love the really sweet side of Paul McCartney because I feel like Paul McCartney kind of what you were alluding to earlier, Will, is that like Paul puts hope in everything. So even when Paul's commenting on uh, loneliness or Paul's, you know, relational confusion or problems with communication, I mean, all of these things, you know, the, the political problems of the world, somehow when Paul's singing about it, it all feels tender and infused with optimism. Um, it just like who Paul is as a person comes through in every one of his songs. Yeah. And I just really, I really love this track. And this, this is probably my, um, my, my kind of deepest cut that'll, that makes my list, but I really love this song. Some people never know.
followed up with photographs because if if you have to have at least one Ringo song, this feels like the obvious one. Um, it's it's just great. It's you know, look, it's Ringo's really really talented at a lot of things, and this is one of those songs where you go, okay, like he he is really good at this. He's just not Paul or George or John, but who is? So. Um, following that up with heart of the country from Ram and closing out my side one with nobody loves you when you're down and out by John Lennon. Amazing. Love that song. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this is another list of tracks uh, like Micaiah's Micaiah's where, uh, I think like, this is really easy easy to listen to like it would just sound great one track into the next mm-hmm. they would flow really well uh, i do love the song photograph my own dumb restriction prohibited me from putting it on there but i, I think it's a delightful song it's one of those songs where i've heard it playing like out in the world i've been like Ooh, what's this song and then like oh wow it's ringo yeah like i've liked it not just because i'm invested in ringo um heart of the country is so terrific i, I it's one of the many many any Paul McCartney songs that gets overlooked just because he's had so many crazy hits, but mm-hmm. a lesser artist doing heart of the country, <laughs> they could build a career off of it. Mm-hmm. I really love the one, two punch of whatever gets you through the night. And what is life? Like that really kicks off your side one. It front loads with a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really happy beginning. Um, and I, and I love that. And I think you're right that that whatever gets you through the night is a side of John that wasn't shown too much on the Beatles, just that kind of freewheeling saxophone. Mm-hmm. There's something almost uncool in a, just like being free way. Mm-hmm. Um, and real happy, unguarded mm-hmm. happiness that he really didn't do a lot in later Beatles years. It was so, so true in the early Beatles with I want to hold your hand and she loves you. And then where did it go, John? Everything's like this melancholy introspection. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years after the Beatles, it's back. Yeah. It is one of the things we were talking about today it is just so much of me thinks of these very kind of static like one-sided personas because of how we think about how the Beatles function together as a foursome mm-hmm. and it's easy to think like John is serious and cynical and and Paul is sweet and silly it's one of the things that listening to those first two John solo albums you very quickly go oh John is also very silly like yeah like he loves John- Cookie Monster yeah, like John John Lennon is a very but but again because Paul is taking up so much of that space within the Beatles, it's interesting like free from that constraint how how silly and funny of a songwriter John John is in his solo writing. Yeah, I mean he, I mean who in that time sang about masturbation as many times as he did. <laughs> he was just like straight up got away with it. Like, <laughs> It's an interesting observation. Once he's away from Paul, he can be silly (laughs) in a way that he maybe wasn't, it wasn't as easy for him to do because Paul was doing it. Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. Whatever gets you through the night.
Well, side two. Let's look at our side twos, but let's hold off on sharing our closing tracks just yet. So let's look at tracks eight through 13. We'll go ahead and take it away. Okay. I did switch my sequencing, but I did email you guys the updated sequence. So side two, and I'll leave, I won't, without saying my closer, this was basically, I'm, I'm looking to do redemption songs and climbing up out of a crisis. And so we start with my sweet Lord, Mm. Uh, just, I don't know, one of the most happy songs any of the Beatles did, just so free and light. Uh, I just can't listen to that song and not feel sunny and, and happy. Um, and I like it as an album opener. You know, you flip the record over, you put drop the needle on that track, and I just think it would just sound so happy. Just like Here Comes the Sun kind of does on Abbey Road. Right. Yeah. Mm. And then we move into... Um, jealous guy. So jealous guy, even the jealous guy is a kind of sad introspective song. It, it, there's joy in it to me. It's someone who has come to, it's so it's like an apology song. Mm-hmm. It's, it's someone who's like, Hey, I admit I was wrong here. I, I had pain. I, I treated you badly. It's somebody coming out of a crisis and coming to terms with a bad time. Um, I included it here because I know that it comes from child of nature, which he had, the original version of the song was called child of nature. And he was going to, he pitched it for the white album. And then he, at some point he reworked it for his imagine album. So I'm assuming that I'm allowed to do it in April, 1970, that he theoretically could have yeah. gotten to it. I'm stretching it a bit, but that, that's my logic there. But if it works as an apology song, then we've got junk, um, which is like another sad introspective song. I think it'd be a nice pairing with Jealous Guys, sort of the way I Will and Julia sit next to each other on the White Album. Mm-hmm. Just sort of a John and a Paul sad introspective songs. And But Paul's is sad about material goods. But I, I think I in the context of this album I put together, it would be like leaving stuff behind, like letting go. Mm-hmm. Instead of just holding on to the past, I think in this context, it would suddenly be a song where it's like, one last look. We're, we're moving on from this. Then we go to Instant Karma. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Barn Burner, one of the all-time great John Lennon solo songs. And we're really starting to lift out of the bad times here. And it's John getting his mojo back. Um, uh, it's, it's getting, it's a little, it's a little angry. Instant Karma is going to get you. You better watch it. But we all shine on for the chorus is like the, the optimism Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is like a weird parallel to my sweet Lord. Like George's spiritual song is like, Hey, Hare Krishna is the same as hallelujah. And mm-hmm. John's like, Insta karma means it's going to get you, but <laughs> we will survive it. Like we all will shine on. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to survive this. Then to all things must pass, which I was going to have as the closer at one point. I think it's a terrific closing track, mm-hmm. but um, within the Beatles, I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up looking just a little bit less optimistic than, the, than my next couple tracks. And yes, I won't say the final one, but All Things Must Pass is like, kind of like, it is happy. It is coming to terms with things you can't change, but there is a little cynicism buried in there. It's like, look, we're all going to be dust. Like, it's like, all right, I guess technically you're reassuring me, mm-hmm. but uh, you're referring to the end of existence while you do it but I think it functions as a redemption. We're coming out yeah. of the song, but a little sad, but then the next one, maybe I'm amazed. I mean, to me, it's still one of Paul's greatest tracks he ever did. It's as good as any Beatles song. It 
It's a towering home run shot of a song. Mm -hmm. In this placement on the album, which is the second to last track, it would be like, it would essentially be the closing track. It would be the big finale number. Yeah. Um, kind of in the way like uh, Abbey Road ends and then you've got Her Majesty. Um, or Rita, really, even on McCartney's solo album, this is the second to last track on Maybe I'm Amazed. And then there's like this song, I can't remember the name. It's like Kareen of Aqua 4. But like, there's a weird instrumental track that he ends his first album with. And this is the second to last track. Mm. So I kind of think of this as the big finish. And then there's an epilogue to me. This is like the Beatles are coming out of the sad times with these triumphant, happy declarations of confidence. We all shine on all things must pass. Maybe I'm amazed the way I love you all the time. Um, so to me, we're, we're landing on our feet here with, with my album. Those are my picks. I love this. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, I probably had something very similar to this. Mm -hmm. But instead of Jealous Guy, I had um, Give Me Some Truth and Junk. I had Teddy Boy um, because I knew because of that documentary that they had like and the Let It Be like box set that they had played those in the Let It Be Get Back sessions that the Beatles together had worked on. Mm -hmm. All things must pass, Teddy Boy, and um, give me some truth. Give me some truth. So at one point, I was going to have something that was more like Will's, like something I knew that they actually even had worked on together, and I was going to have like those three, mm -hmm. but it wasn't working. And I think it's because the better three would have been my sweet Lord, jealous guy, and junk. Um, so I think that that's that's the right move because um, those those work together. Uh, really great. And I, you got this in just enough time for me to listen through yours all the way through. And um, your, your side too, I think is, is super strong and genuinely just like works as a Beatles record. Like it, mm -hmm. it hits your objective really strong there on the side too. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you hearing, hearing your side too, makes me realize how, how much you and I love this, the same things from, from the Beatles and, or, or it, it maybe it's just reality that like, it's just such undeniable songs like my sweet Lord, jealous guy, instant karma, all things must pass. Maybe <laughs> even, even junk is kind of like a deeper, a deeper cut on your side yeah. B, but like, Instant Karma, All Things Must Pass, Maybe I'm Amazed. <laughs> Can you imagine an album that good where stuck in the middle of the side B of an album where those three songs <laughs> Sunrise doesn't last all morning A cloudburst doesn't last all day My love is up and has left you with no warning It's not always gonna be this great All things 
So my side two, or the way I chose to break it down, side three. So my side three would be four tracks. Um, and I wanted space on my record for Paul to go full Paul. So that's why the side three opener is Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, <laughs> where Paul goes full on Paul. Um, and I, I just love this song. And it is just like, it's everything that like Paul McCartney, everything that people say about Paul McCartney, at least it's all in there. Um, all, all the voices and everything. And like I said earlier, like Angela is John and Yoko really doing the John and Yoko thing. Mm -hmm. And this is Paul and Linda really doing the Paul and Linda thing. And I think those, it's a harsh juxtaposition, but having them like in one side and start, like it is like a, like a, a reboot. Um, mm -hmm. Just the way that they're broken up, I think makes it work um, for this compilation. But what's hard about making a mix and putting Uncle Albert on is that you get a very rough ending because it's just that winning, bono, it's just like, okay, how do I come back from that? So one of my big <laughs> challenges was just like wanting to make a record that actually flowed well, but and and knowing that Uncle Albert would never be a side one closer or side two closer because I'm mimicking revolver. I was like, well, what do I do here? And this was the toughest thing to figure out, but just going through some of my favorite John solo stuff, um, going back to uh, bring on the Lucy princes free to people. Um, it starts off with him talking before it like really gets in. I was like, well, that's what happens on Ram too, to get out of uncle Albert. There's like a, mm -hmm. like says something. So it's like, that's my out or my in rather. Um, and also I love that song. And I, I, I was thinking about putting like power to the people or, or give peace a chance, but I wanted something that wasn't power to the people is so big and so sing songy that it did not fit mm -hmm. the rest of what I was doing and give peace a chance is a little too kumbaya for what I was doing. So I needed another like John rock and roll kind of number, but it had the same kind of sentiments and, and it was, you know, uh, free to people, which is, I, I reckon a, a, a deep cut, um, maybe undeservedly because I think it's just another, just what, like a top tier John track. I mean, but of course his tiers are probably much larger <laughs> than, than others, but, um, I, I love that song. And, and especially now that I've been, I've recontextualized it, I love it even more, which is a fun outcome of this little exercise. Uh, so that's that's that oh, from I should also say from Mind Games, the 1973 record, uh, which is like the more recent of the John picks I have on here. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wanted to let, let Paul groove out because um, at this point, because remember my my first half was Paul being like, I can rock and roll, too. My second half is Paul, like the Paul be Paul. And so that's where Mamonia comes in. Where it's just like that group, like really heavy on the rhythm section. That bass is so loud in the mix. Um, and like the kind of like the bongo percussion is like really light. Um, the vocal harmonies are super tight, super sweet. Um, you know, just about if you see rain clouds in LA, you know, don't be bummed about it. You know, it's a, it's that, it's that 
Paul thing that we've been talking about where it's just like, yeah, you know, if, if something's bringing you down, like turn that frown upside down, kind of, you know, Paul sentiment uh, in a way that's yeah. not corny though. It's very easy for Paul to dip into corny sometimes. And for some reason, Mammonia doesn't, even though it is like, I don't, I don't know if Mammonia is like a real word or something. I, I don't, I don't know what the word means. I don't know if it's a, a nonsense word that like, he's just using, um, cause it sounds good. Like beep up a um, <laughs> but it, it works and it's very charming. And then, so my, the end of my side three, um, I want to let John be charming. Um, and that's where Oyoko comes in. This is where Rob, you're saying like John's affection and uh, using Yoko as his muse instead of his like mm-hmm. songwriting partner is something you're more interested in. And I wanted to, to let that out too. Um, and Oyoko, the way it is um, kind of melodically, you can almost sing Mamonia over it, even though the tempos are different. Um, so they, they blend together really well um, side by side. It also just starts off with like that snare, um, which gives you a good, just like, all right, and we're on to the next thing, you know, just, it keeps the, the, the songs going. So it just it worked really well in that way. And that's one, that's maybe a song I was maybe trying to force onto this playlist. Cause um, I like it so much, but I think in the end it really worked um, pretty well. So side four or it would be track five, whatever. Um, but th- these last three, I feel like I probably have three opening tracks on mine and three closing tracks on mine. Um, and I don't know, maybe revolver does too. I don't know, but that's, that's the structure. So uh, all things must pass. Right. So John or uh, George rather uh, was easing us into the record. You know, he's saying, let me in. And now on side four, he's saying it has to end sometime. Mm-hmm. All things must pass, whether that's the end of the record whether that's the end of the Beatles, the end of their you know partnership or whatever you know, so whatever that could mean, um, kind of uh, in a meta way or whatever self-referential way, but of course, and also his kind of cosmic spiritual way, also you know it's you know a, a triple entendre or whatever you know it's Barry George, um, and then my my penultimate song would be uh, "Backseat of My Car" because I wanted. Um, everyone here to kind of, you know, what would be like a, what is the, for the three of them, what would be kind of their idea of a big finish? And George, I think would be something like all things must pass. And for Paul, probably backseat of my car. I mean, it's a literal big finish for Ram. Um, So I was like, Oh, you know, it could be a big finish for, for my record that I'm making too. Why not? And it is, you know, it's just a killer song. We've already talked about it. So, yeah, so that's my side two or sides three and four, however you want to break it down. So I I really love your approach to Uncle Albert into Free to People, like as as a way of bridging that kind of awkward ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Uncle. I mean, you're talking about letting Paul kind of be fully Paul. Like there is there's something in this song that is, it's the, it's the, it's the Paul McCartney that you go in another life. This is a guy who would have written musicals. Like if, if he would have been partnered with a different person, 
for his creative endeavors, he wouldn't have been in the biggest rock band in the world. He would have been, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that, it's that kind of thing. Um, I love Mamunia as a, like, that's a great pick off a nearly perfect album. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm for your choices. I think this is great. I love the inclusion of Mamumia here. I was um, I was thinking that like that's the kind of track that is you don't discover until you go through Paul's solo albums on your own, and then when you get to it, it's so beautiful it really stays with you. So I love having that on this album. It's like a type of Paul song. It is like it is like a type of it is like an amount of goodness where it's not good enough to be like a single, or maybe not maybe not like the type of song that is a single but it's like so memorable. He's got a lot of those. I think this is a really good one to include. And I like tackling the flow. Uh, I like how you tackled the flow, uh, how you worried about how one song sounds at the end, like uncle Albert, like, and I, um, I didn't do that on my album. So I don't know. I hope that there aren't any weird abrupt, uh, you know, uh, flowing problems on the one I put together. But I, I think the Beatles worried about that when they made albums. So it's appropriate that, us, the architects of their album that never existed, would worry about it. <laughs> and I love All Things Must Pass toward the end. Just what a terrific closer. You do kind of have three closers there in a row, but yeah. you're picking from multiple solo careers. I think it's hard to not do that. Right. It's interesting that for both of you have All Things Must Pass, and neither one of you have it as, as a closer. And for me, All Things Must Pass did not make my mix for the simple fact that the only, the only spot I felt like it would work would be as the album closer. And so I, I, I do love this idea of going, no, no, all things must pass is a great song. Just put it in there where you can. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know why, like I, I wanted, because it's a thinking of it as a Beatles song, all things must pass would feel like this kind of like nail in the coffin almost of of the Beatles in this strange way, and so it felt like it, it would have if it was going to be on, it would have had to be at the end of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that. So my my side B basically starts off with Instant Karma. Perfect. Um, 
I go from there to too many people from Ram, um, which, which to me felt like instant karma, the cynicism of instant karma meeting perhaps the most cynical song on Ram, like instant Mm -hmm. karma, too many people. But again, it's the Beatles, you know, thinking about it being the Beatles, I can only handle so much cynicism. So we jump to my sweet Lord. So we get this kind of like, almost like abrasive start to the side B, but by the third song you get the beautiful song, my, my sweet Lord. Um, again, George Harrison doing wonderful things. Then to hold on from plastic Ono band. Um, what, what for me is just such a sweet song. Um, again, that sweet side of John, for me, that idea of, of what we've already talked about that John with Yoko as his muse um, on hold on that I really love. And then to give me love from living in the material world in the material world from George Harrison. I, there were three or four other songs from all things must pass that I easily could have put here. Um, but I, I, I wanted to have a picture of George Harrison that wasn't from all things must pass and, and kind of reveal that like as great as that album is, he, you know, there, there are also other great, George song. So I went with give me love from living the material world. And then just like you will, my penultimate song, maybe I'm amazed. Woo. Uh, just, I mean, again, like one of the two or three best songs Paul McCartney's ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a masterpiece of a song. And, uh, it really, it does like, it feels, it feels really well-placed as like a penultimate song of an album. Um, like it's, 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 it, it's too big to close an album. Like it's a great encore song for a concert, but it's too big to close an album. So I like it as that penultimate track for an album, but that's, that's my side B saved for the closer. All right. I love it. Um, I really like the love you're given to some, albums that maybe get overlooked, like living in the material world. Um, I like that you're, you're, you're picking some challenging ones. They're good. They're really good, but they're, they're not obvious ones. And I, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, that for all the Beatles albums have songs like babies in black or tracks that the Beatles love that like maybe fans didn't take to initially. Mm-hmm. So I think it's appropriate to go, to go to some of the lesser hit areas of the solo careers and find something you like yeah yeah babies and blacks a great example of that and like no reply from the same album mm-hmm. um too many people for me is hard to um, reimagine as not an opening track because mm-hmm. it's such an opening track to me um but i love that it's there because i feel like it's another one of those like like if if put on like the Paul McCartney compilations, it would be recognized more as like this, like amazing song of his, mm-hmm. it's just like the opener to Ram. It's just the thing that gets you in the door to a classic record of his. So I like recontextualizing it, even though it's hard for me to hear it as something other than an opener. Um, Hold on was one for me that was hard to cut. Cause I love that song and it was really short. So when I, back when I was trying to make everything, fit really nicely like seven tracks fit really nicely on an lp that was a 
ace in the hole because it was like <laughs> under two minutes. Uh, but then I gave up on that. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, I love that he's, you know, does a cookie monster impression on it. <laughs> we, we love Sesame street and Muppets and in, in, in my household. So love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe I should have, maybe I'm amazed, but I am, I'm one of those Beatles fans who doesn't actually like Hey Jude or let it be that much as songs uh, like in, individually. So I guess in thinking of maybe I'm amazed as part of that, I think maybe keeps it off of my my track list a little bit, but I mean I I'm wrong for that, right? I mean those are some of the greatest songs of all time. Is but, it an over like is it like is is it an overexposure thing for you? Like you feel like it's just you just heard them too much, or is it just doesn't do anything for you? It just doesn't do for me like what like other Beatles songs do mm-hmm. at that point in their career, and at that point in their career, I'm leaning more John anyway. Um, but I mean, that's, that's just me and my, my taste right now in 10 years, I'll probably have all new opinions about the Beatles, you know, who knows? Uh, those songs you mentioned are, they all are sort of very long, sort of ponderous songs. They're all sort of like strap in, you're going to be here for a while. And, uh, I've definitely skipped Hey Jude a lot when it's come up on shuffles. I mean, I adore that song, but I'm not always ready for the seven minutes Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll often like prefer something like Hey Bulldog, where it's just like short, sweet rock and yeah. tune. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's not so crazy. And when you mention them together, th- there's a redundancy to them. Like mm-hmm. I've seen Paul in concert where he'll do Hey Jude and Let It Be close to each other. Two tremendous songs. Crowd goes wild. But I'm like, they're kind of the same. There's something we just similar do? about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can see that. But on the other hand, I do think you are wrong. Uh, and maybe I'm amazed is the best of these in my opinion um, I agree with that actually mm-hmm. and so I, I, it's the shortest and it's the coolest and uh, I, I love it it's, it's one of my all time favorite songs Beatles or Solo Let's do this. I want to go, since we're doing closers, I want to go in reverse order and give the final closer to Will. Okay. So the closer for my album, and this was the one, I picked this as the very first song I picked of the 14 because I knew this had to be the album closer. It may be obvious. It may be um, not the cool pick, but I'm picking Imagine as my album closer. Uh, I want just the heavy reverb piano 
in John's vocal, let it, let it be those two things. And, and just let the, the end of that fade out the reverb on the last chord he hits on the piano. That's, that's how I want to end the album is John Lennon's imagine. Well, Gal Gadot is smiling. <laughs> listening to this. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a tremendous pick. It's like, I guess it is obvious in that it's like one of the most iconic and famous songs period certainly Beatles songs but it's also really good mm-hmm. it's really good it's really revolutionary it's amazing that he made a song that said imagine there's no heaven and it got on the radio tremendously yeah you know in the in a country that almost shut the Beatles down when he said we're bigger than Jesus and then he just says imagine there's no heaven and we love him for it like mm-hmm. how much the world had changed and maybe how much better he got at at disguising his venom with some sweetness or something but like it's a miracle of a song. I, mm-hmm. I love it. It's the, one of the gutsiest things that anybody's ever done. Who's, who's been a real pop star. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one thing to be a punk rock guy in a, in a small bar and say, you know, F the government. Okay. But to be one of the most famous pop stars in the world and be like, imagine there's no country. It's easy if you try. Yeah. You know, um, I love it. Like, so because of my restriction of not wanting to pick things that I did not think were available in April, 1970, I couldn't pick it, but mm-hmm. I, it was the first one I thought of when you guys mentioned this challenge to me, mm. no one's going to criticize you for putting imagine on a collection of solo Beatles songs, you know? <laughs> right. um, I think there's arguments to leave it out, but you include it. It's like, yeah, duh. I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's almost more bold to, to actually pick it. I feel like at this point, yeah, right. It goes all the way around to being like, yeah. In the lifespan of that, in in a post Gal Gadot, you know, <laughs> world for you to be like, Gal Gadot stole this from us in 2020, and we're gonna, you know, to to really bono it. Right? Oh yeah, like to have like my rattle and hum moment with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, also as a closer, it's interesting because I, you know, it's the opener on its own album, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And it works as an opener, but to have it be a closer, this quiet little small meditation when really it's a bunch of TNT dynamite packed into a little sweet piano song. I kind of love it. Yeah. Imagine there's no heaven.
kind of if you're following Revolver, uh-huh. then you have to end with a John Lennon song. What is your closer? I think Imagine is a perfect pick for anyone. And I, I did a similar thing, um, kind of, because I, I chose God as my, my final track, which um, which delighted me that, that Will had it as, as his opener. And it was just, you know, the way that he was kind of setting up the hero's journey for the Fab Four. Um, I was just like, the dream is over. Mm. Yeah. The dream is over. There it went. All things must pass. Um, Paul right in the middle is maybe in denial. And he's just doing the backseat of my da 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 yeah, da da da. And then John's just like, no, there, I, I was the walrus, but now I'm John. And I don't believe in anything except for me and Yoko. That's reality. And the dream is over. As a Beatles fan, as someone who's just like, I mean, we're, we're playing the game of what if there was another Beatles album, but there is kind of something comforting and just being like, it's over. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, there, it's, you know, all things must pass. It, it's okay if the Beatles don't make another record. It's okay if they don't reunite on SNL. That's yeah. fine. You know, and I think it's very sweet to say, I, I only believe in Yoko and me. And thinking about like that line and like the classic Rolling Stone, maybe the best Rolling Stone cover of all time of him naked and, and him with Yoko. I just, now that I'm, you know, gotten older, um, I've just been thinking very differently about John and Yoko's relationship. And it's been something that I think is very sweet. And um, yeah, I, it, it kind of delights me to think about their relationship and what they meant to each other and how they challenged each other. And uh, yeah, it's, it's maybe, maybe it's too on the nose to use that track to, to say the dream is over. The album is over. There are no more Beatles, but for the, the compilation, the track list I was making, I think it, I think it was the right pick Um, to, to borrow like the words of the internet. My toxic trait is that I think I actually created a really great Beatles record. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i i love what i did I, I really enjoy it so and but i've really i haven't spent as much time with y'all's but i got an, just enough time to listen to both y'all's and i i enjoy both of them too so yeah it's so it, it, it's, it's a fun it's been a fun project yeah and sure. it's it's something will you know wh- while you were off the call i was telling Micaiah like even hearing your list and in, in in the way that you have made it kind of like this redemption story this hero's journey it it does make me it makes me nostalgic for an album that never existed it makes me nostalgic for a version of the beatles that never happened in real life and i mean maybe that's the greatest testament to who this band is and who these four artists are that even in their breakup the solo stuff they're putting out you know puts this sense of like oh and this could have all been together so will what is your closing track of if you guys are worried about being final if, album if you guys are worried about being basic and obvious i've out basic <laughs> and out obvious everybody my final track is give peace a chance uh which you could certainly argue is facile and juvenile you could argue that it's been overly sanctified and that it's full of itself 
But I also think that it's happy and joyful and simple. And as far as the John Lennon peace songs, I like it better than Power to the People. I like it better than Working Class Hero. Mm. There's a sense of fun about it and mischief. The fact that he threw, you know, the copy tossed this off in an hour uh, while sitting in a hotel room makes me love it for that reason. There's an effortlessness to it. And so I actually see in my album, maybe I'm amazed as the true final track and then like almost as an epilogue i picture all the beatles singing on this sort of happily saying goodbye to you the listeners and that they've healed they've come from god you know the dream is over they start there and they end with give peace a chance that's all we're saying is give peace a chance mm-hmm. so that you know the, the ending of this album would just be like i can't believe how much i love you uh you know we're not important everything's gonna go away and uh, give peace a chance give peace a chance and uh, I don't think they would mind ending like that. I don't think they would mind being so obvious. Mm. And I, I think it would end happy. Yeah. Um, and I do think the Beatles, maybe more than anything else, were they communicated joy like at their best. And it's what made them so contagious. I actually don't think they're so good at philosophizing. Um, I don't think they're so good as being as smart as they, they want to be. Mm. Um, they weren't really great at dance numbers. Um, as much as other bands, but what they were really good at was just instant happiness. You put on a Beatles song and just everybody smiles. Just everybody can't wait to hear more. So I wanted to end happy. So that's what I did. has been a real treat we want to thank you for being with us for our listeners will you just take a moment and tell us a little bit about your beatles podcast and how our listeners can find it uh yeah thanks for asking i have a beatles podcast called screw screw it we're just going to talk about the beatles uh it was just started as a way for some beatles fans to talk about their enthusiasm for the band uh we we are pretty bad at facts and deep cut biography knowledge although i will say we've gotten better as the years have gone on but you'll often hear us rave about something and you'll be like don't you know about this thing that happened behind the scenes no we don't uh, but we we try to learn as we go. But we try to, we do try to capture the enthusiasm that a Beatles fan has for the music and just how much joy it gives us. So we don't do regular episodes anymore. We do them as 
needed. So like when the get back documentary came out, we did an episode, um, but you can find it. We're still, all the episodes are out publicly available. There's no paywall. There's no ads just out there. Screw it. We're just going to talk about the Beatles. Check us out. Right. And, and you don't just teach improv. We, I don't think we did a good enough job last time you heard to talk, to talk about Wayne and Rodney. Oh, that's so nice. You bring that up. I, I have a band called Wayne and Rodney. Um, I am not a professional musician at all. What I have is professional audacity, not the software program, but just chutzpah. <laughs> like I love writing songs and I like bl- playing them. And even though they are, they're nothing special. I got my friend, Joel Spence, who's a very talented musician to make a band with me. And we released an album just for the love of it. Um, of course, I would love it if anybody wanted to listen to any Wade and Rodney songs, but I'm, I'm, you know, they're, 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 they're all love. And uh, maybe, maybe the songwriting shop's got to catch up with us, but we, we, I, you know, we love music and, and making music is a good way to express that love. I, I think our Beatles fans and, and listeners who have heard us talking about some of the themes we have will really enjoy uh, bursting with light. Well, we're going to let you go. Um, but for our listeners, uh, you're going to hear Makai and I both in the introduction and in the conclusion tell you more about all the things Will has done and where you can find him. And then, of course, this episode will conclude uh, with us playing uh, a little bit of Wayne and Rodney. So just just give you a, a little taste <laughs> to a wet your whistle you. to go and listen to more of this incredible duo. Will, thanks so much for being with us and have a great night. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. That was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. Uh, That was just such a good time. And I've listened to a few episodes of Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About the Beatles. Mm Mm-hmm but I think I might binge listen to the whole podcast over the next few days. Cause even after a week now of listening to all the solo albums, I'm, I'm kind of back in the Beatles zone now where it's kind of all I want to listen to right now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's an episode where a uh, former, uh, you forgot one guest, Jake Bogonest does his one LP white album. Uh, so similar to what we're doing here today. Um, so if you go down the rabbit hole of screw, we're just going to talk about the Beatles. There are a lot of fun things on there, including like that Jake Pogas one, which of course maybe we could have done too. Um, which, cause you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the game that most Beatle fans like to play is get the white album down to one LP. Um, but I thought it'd be more fun to kind of like, well, let's, let's make it a little bit more interesting. Let's sweeten the pot a little bit and, and try to make an entirely different album. And I think that was uh, way more fun. Yeah. For uh, hopefully for everyone involved. It certainly was for me. Um, yeah. That was, yeah. A great time. I'm, re- I'm really, I'm really pleased not only with my, black album but what what with what everyone came up with and and some of them similar like rob you and i only had two songs in common Mm -hmm. and will and i had five and you and will had four but even with the way we sequenced our albums even though we had almost half in common 
they were entirely different yeah. albums just on how we decided to sequence them and based on our read of the songs too which is really like even using the same like five songs that we all had kind of you know similar completely different records yeah oh absolutely I'm already excited about the idea of next season doing a bonus episode where we do our single LP white album. Cause okay. this is, it's just such a fun, it's just such a fun experience. Uh, I, I texted you earlier today, um, you know, jokingly, you know, hot take Beatles are the best band of all time. I, I know that that's a, a controversial opinion, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it's really true. Like it, it blows my mind that the fates collided in such a way that these, that these four liberal Republicans ended up in a band together. Yeah. And they're so good that you just totally look past the fact that the Beatles is one of the worst band names of all time. Like, cause <laughs> if if they were just some like post skiffle early rock English band called the Beatles, like we'd be like it, it'd be so cringy. But they're so good that the word Beatles or the name Beatles just means best rock band. Yeah, you know what I mean, it doesn't mean like oh I get it. It's like the bug a beetle, but they spell it like beat, like mm-hmm. like a drum beat. You know, like you don't. You don't make the, you don't think of a bug. You don't think of a drum beat. You think greatest band of all time. That's yeah. how good they are. You know? And, and, and there is, I mean, and, and it's not just the name. Like there are, there are songs that they have that if any other artist, any other band had done them would be the cringiest songs imaginable. And yet somehow these four guys making it and it all works in it in even the way the they evolve as a band and even the massive evolution we see after they break up across these solo albums all, all of it feels completely authentic and, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's part of it as well and we didn't really get a chance to talk about this but I, I think what makes each of these artists especially you know George John and Paul what makes their solo work so interesting and so compelling is that none of it feels like them running away from something like so, so many bands when they break up that that first solo album or those, you know, those solo efforts feel like running away from something. And it never feels like that with these guys that it, it always feels like running towards themselves that they're not, they're not trying to, they're not trying to be the antithesis of the thing they were before. It's just taking the freedom they now have to be more of what they already were. And, and there's something so, so compelling about that. There's something I think so, so admirable about that, that they just had the confidence in self-awareness to do that even if it means there were a lot of big swings that they took that did not always work out. Um, you know, especially as, you know, we, is, as we talked about like the, you know, you referenced Angela, but like, that's, that's a hard album to swallow and not all the big swings that John takes on that album connect 
Well, namely the, the opening track is a yeah a great big swing. Um, it's it, in, it, in nineteen seventy one when they recorded the record. It it's a big statement, and people weren't a lot of people weren't talking about women's rights, especially mm-hmm. men standing up for women's rights. So he he, there's a statement in there that is like could be eye opening. Like I never thought of it like that like in a very recent like quote post-civil rights era and now into this like new wave of feminism mm-hmm. it, it is an interesting like socio-political statement um that just doesn't really hold up well uh in terms of the the language of the of that statement oh for uh, sure but which is what we've talked about with patty smith and, and elvis costello as but, well but to but to that point is is again as kind of cringeworthy as that is it's also the thing where like i don't doubt john's sincerity for a second right none of it feels put on it's it's not it's not john trying to be political it's john being john and the messy awkward way that his politics come out the, the, the point he's trying to make, which is a great point, it comes out messy and ugly and, and real. And, and again, it's that strange thing of like, it, it's the seeing as many bands break up and seeing as many artists kind of like go through phases of their career. It's been the big takeaway for me this week, listening to all the solo material and going like, oh, there's at, at no point is anyone doing something just to try it? Like it, it, all of it feels authentic always for all four of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a, I mean, really, I can't think of, I can't think of many bands today that are able to pull that off. There, I mean, they are, there will never be another Beatles, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like not possible. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we only have the like 12 or whatever records that we have from them. I'm, I'm okay with that. Even though the game was this create another Beatles record kind of going through this process and thinking of my last track, God, and the kind of the sentiments behind it, I become like way more comfortable with the fact it's like, it's okay that there's not another Beatles album. Yeah. Like in, in this, I mean, I'm not trying to knock like what we did here. Cause this was super fun and I stand by everything that we did. Um, but you know, just kind of taking comfort in like, it's okay that like a band only, it's okay that the Smiths only had four records. We don't have to be like, but what if it's like, what if they put out four like perfect records and changed mute? Like what more could you want from them? What more could you want from them? Like they gave us, everything they had yeah and then even in their solo careers gave us so especially like george like on all things in his past like he gave us everything he had you know so who are we to just like demand like more 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 like that i don't know if it's that consumer thing or just like we need more we need more or if it's just like because i mean they all hold up all the records hold up all the songs hold up you know um some in different ways than others so like just go but like no you know like revolver's still good you can still listen to revolver and and, and not need another beatles album like mm-hmm. you have revolver 
there's plenty to be happy about. Yeah. Or, or do what, or do what everyone else has, <laughs> or do what everyone else has done and binge watch over and over and over again, the get back documentary and, oh. and discover that let it be is a much better album than you had given it credit for. Oh, that, that, that documentary is a gift. We could do a bonus episode on that. I mean, that's a three-parter of course, but Mm-hmm. Speaking of, there's actually breaking Beatles news the day of us recording this. Let's uh, hear it. They are, as they have been doing with um, the other albums, starting with Sgt. Pepper through Let It Be, they've gone back now to um, revisit Revolver. So there's going to be a new Revolver box set and or double CD set, and like four LP set and all kinds of stuff that's going to have uh, different sessions takes and a new stereo uh, mix of the record. So, yeah. So that's that's exciting. Beatles news for people who've been following along. And the great revelation of those is even if you don't like the new stereo mixes, the the bonus material that comes with that has been incredible. Uh, the white album session stuff was just like so eye-opening a lot of the stuff that's on the get back documentary is in the let it be like box set like the like the full tracks of those Mm -hmm. things like them playing all things must pass and and teddy boy and give me some truth uh so a lot of revelations whenever those box sets come out so um you being a big revolver fan and myself too um very excited to hear some of the different takes and mixes of some of the more experimental you know fun revolver tracks so yeah good good day for Beatles fans yeah it is well listener we want to thank you so much for being with us for a bonus episode again we want you to go check out Wayne and Rodney Wayne and Rodney of course is the duo act that Will Hines is a part of they have two albums available turn it up from 2020 and 2021's to the victor go the spoils we're going to leave you now with the second track of to the victor go the spoils bursting with light we'll see you in two weeks That water village tonight And the clouds are so violent And violet and bright And the traffic sounds just like the ocean I'm so sad that I'm bursting with light With light I'm bursting with light With, with light. light I'm so sad that I'm bursting with light High up, high up, high up, high up High up, high up, high up, high up, high up. And I dream of an audience I can impress And I'm wearing a suit and you're wearing a dress And I'm Smiling and nodding They're so happy that I am depressed Depressed, depressed Yes, I am depressed Depressed. They're so happy that I am depressed I am, I am, I am, I am I am, I am, I am, I am I don't know if it's even important to know If I'm thinking or feeling All I know is I'm sad and I'm happy at once My memories are reeling That I'm fired deep down in my bones I'm a bank and I'm giving out infinite loans And somehow I'm sad but I'm soaring Schizophrenics are manning the phones The phones, the phones, they're manning the phones Schizophrenics are manning the phones I am, 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 I am.
moon over that water village tonight And the clouds are so violent and violet and bright The traffic sounds just like the ocean I'm so sad that I'm bursting with light With light, I'm bursting with light With light, I'm so sad that I'm bursting with light With light, with light, I'm bursting with light With light, I'm so sad that I'm bursting with light